Hey, good morning. Well, we have a, uh, we have, we have a, uh, uh, I got aboard the, um, the light speed vehicle this morning, so everybody get ready to jump in as we ascend up into the heavens. Psalms 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are magnificent. You are robed in splendor and majesty. He covers himself with light as it were a garment. He stretches out the skies like a tent curtain. And he lays the beams of the upper rooms of his palace on the rain clouds. He makes the clouds his chariot. He travels along on the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers and the flaming fire his attendant. He established the earth on his foundations. It will never be upended. The watery deep covered it like a garment. The waters reached above the mountains. Your shout made the waters retreat. And at the sound of your thunderous voice, they hurried off. As the mountains rose up and the valleys went down to the place you appointed for them, you set a boundary for them that they could not cross so that they would not cover the earth again. He turned springs into streams. They flow between the mountains. They provide water for all the animals in the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky live beside them. They chirp among the bushes. He waters the mountain from the upper rooms of his palace. The earth is full of the fruit you cause to grow. He provides grass for the cattle and crops for people to cultivate so they can produce food from the ground as well as wine that makes people feel so good. And so they can have oil to make their faces shine as well as food that sustains people's lives. The trees of the Lord receive all the rain they need. The cedars of Lebanon, which he planted, where the birds make nests near the evergreens in which the herons live. The wild goats live in the high mountains. The rock badgers find safety in the cliffs. He makes the moon to mark the months and the sun sets according to the regular schedule. You make it dark and night comes during which all the beasts of the forest prowl around. The lions roar for prey, seeking their food from God. And when the sun rises, they withdraw and sleep in their dens. Men then go out to do their work and labor away until evening. How many living things have you made, O Lord? You've exhibited great skill in making all of them. The earth is full of the living things you have made. Over here is the deep, the wide sea, which teems with innumerable swimming creatures, living things both small and large. The ships travel there, and over here swims the well. You made it to play in it. All of your creatures wait for you to provide them with food on a regular basis. You give food to them and they receive it. You open your hand and they are filled with food. And when you ignore them, they panic. 
you take away their life's breath, they die and they return to dust. When you send your life-giving breath, they are created and you replenish the surface of the ground. May the splendor of the Lord endure. May the Lord find pleasure in the living things he has made. He looks down on the earth and it shakes. He touches the mountains and they start to smolder. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. And I will sing praise to my God as long as I exist. May my thoughts, may our thoughts, Lord, be pleasing to you. I rejoice in you, Lord. And may sinners disappear from the earth and the wicked vanish. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord.
surrender now All my thoughts, all my ideas Lord, let them be, let them be
song of praise and with grateful hearts we celebrate
Isaiah chapter number 55. Hey. Hey, if you're thirsty and you feel like there's, you can't get this thirst quenched, hear the word of the Lord this morning. Come to the waters. Come to the water. without money and without cost.
says that we need to hear this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Listen to the word of the Lord. So when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. I've heard uh, weathermen talk about this, about desire and duty. When it comes to the desire of the Lord concerning the Father's desire for His Son, the Father's desire for us, listen to what the Word of the Lord says. Because duty will only take you so far. But desire, it'll, it'll rocket us up in this place, up into the expanse of the Lord and on into the glorious privilege that we have as the sons and daughters of God. Listen to what the Lord said, but a body you prepared for me. What is he looking for? He's looking for a body. Sacrifice and offering can, and duty can only bring you so far. But what has he always wanted? He's wanted you. All of you. That, that's what's going on here this morning. I want all of you. I want your body. He said, you prepared a body for me. He says again, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. You took actually no delight in. Delight and desire. Oh, to be known by you, Lord. To be loved by you. That goes beyond my duty. To be caught up into desire. To be delighted in. Oh, I want to be delighted in. when I'm delighted in and he delights in us church he delights in us duty's taking us so far but delight takes us further because this is his desire that you would know that you're delighted in by the father and I said say this with me here I am Here is all of me. All of me is to you, Lord. And you're all mine. I want you to have everything. I want you to have the here I am. I have come. It is written to me, the Lord said, in the scroll of your book, what? I want your will, oh God. I want to do your will. The Lord will never impose his will on you. He's so gentle. But what happens when you say, here I am to do your will. And he says, know this, I delight in you, says the Lord. I delight in you, says the Lord. Again, he says, you listen to the glory of Hebrews 10, sacrifice and offerings, and even whole burnt offerings and sin offerings did not desire nor did you take delight in them even if they've been offered according to the law then he says here I am 
has a rest in us right here, right now. Here I am. Here I am. I am in me. I am in you. I have come to do your will. What am I here for? Why am I? Because here I am to do your will. than my life. What's your will, Lord, within my life? And we would receive this revelation. He does away with the first. To bring in an establishing of the second. By his will, we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. If all we can grab hold of this this morning, once for all. said something. He said if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. If your eye is causing you to stumble, pluck it out and let I am be in you. This is the glory of the end time move of God. I am in us.
to this point. I surrender all 
without money come and buy from me those without food come and buy from me you are children of the day children of the light come and buy from me oh quit buying things from the dark
anyone in here have a um, uh, right shoulder issue if you have a right if you have a right shoulder issue um, you can come forward right shoulder healing or healing now the dark spot of the right shoulder in the name of Jesus be healed let it be so. Let the pain go. It's like a right rotator, something in the right shoulder is in pain. It's sore. Thank you, Lord. The dark spot, the shadow dimension. Let light integrate into your shoulder. Jesus, heal. I speak against aneurysm in this room, even though I can't say where this is at, but aneurysm. In the name of Jesus, all aneurysms or any kind of pre-aneurysm type stuff, in the name of Jesus, Lord, bring healing, Lord. I'm not going to have strokes. I'm not going to have this body shut down. You've got to run your course. God's called you on a course. Lord, bring healing in this room. I'm light, says the Lord. I dwell in unapproachable light. Let light, light for healing. Uh, any lower back issues? I want to heal your back. The lumbar, in the lumbar, even in the even in the coccyx, uh, pain there. In the name of Jesus, Lord, bring healing. <sighs> Clothe us, Lord. You're the clothing, Lord. The shelter. Holy Spirit, have your way in this room now. Every disease, every sickness, bow in the name of Jesus.
surrounding you the avalanche that falls upon us
constant my king and brother my home is ever where your heart hovers my one my constant my king and brother my home is ever where your heart hovers my one my constant my king and brother my home is ever where your heart hovers and my one my constant my king and brother my home is ever where your heart hovers the day has run its course you are the goodness you are my reward you are the goodness and the day has run its course you are the goodness and you are my reward and you are Congratulations. On the one who delights in you. 
congratulations. Yeah, I salute you. in with the Lord, with the Father. And you know what he says to me? I said, Lord, I don't know what that means, but he said, you know what I'm doing right now? This is why you maybe are experiencing what you're experiencing. You wonder why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing. But what you're experiencing is your little micro-machine that makes proteins. They're called ribosomes. They're the thing that repairs the protein and fix the cell's damaged DNA. The Lord is making a restoration in this room. Because you need your ribosomes to make repair proteins to fix the damage. The damage inflicted for many of us by the fall. You know, every time you push in with the Lord and you feel like you hit a stop, just go a little further. This is what I've learned. We pushed in so far, Lord. He says, come further in and further up. Just come on with me. I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except by me, through me, preposition. And in the middle of it is a great exchange of the divine nature of God. You make an exchange, we make him an exchange, we bring up to him our body. And he says, let me exchange my life with you. You're experiencing that life right now. You know, a lot of times it can feel like shutdown. A tiredness can come sometimes. Let the life of God come into your mortal bodies. He's a life-giving spirit. He's not just a living soul like Adam one. He's Adam two. I let your life-giving spirit come into me and transform me. I need to make a repair. The Lord says I need to fix the ribosome. There's been some um, brokenness even in the DNA. I, I want to restore. The, I want to restore and make repair. We'd be remiss to miss this. Who can do this for us? That's why he says in Isaiah 55, "Come and buy without money and without price." It doesn't cost anything. He's already paid for everything. Just all you have to do is just say, Here I am, Lord. We want these little micro machines to build proteins, the proteins to bring restoration to the DNA.
so that the RNA can be replicated and it can express the, the glory of the Lord. We want the expression to look like you, Father. I want my whole entire being to give you praise. I want every cell, every aspect of the nucleus, every aspect, the mitochondria, the, the whole cellular structure. I want my whole being to glorify the Lord. I want the light to so come in and pervade my nature and become like Him. And we see Him as He is. Shine down, Lord, on us. Yes, I will do this, the Lord says. I, I am doing this. Behold, I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. Everything made new. I break agreement with despair. I break agreement with giving up sometime in my life and saying I give up and I just have to just get along with life like this. I break agreement with the old and I embrace the new. I break agreement with regression. And I say I'll take flight up, up, up and away into your spirit. I break agreement with disorder and chaos and I ask that your order come. I, I break agreement with anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are. I break agreement with trying to be known in my own way instead of being known by you. I long to be known by you, Father. And when we are known, we can truly know. I want to be fully known so that I can know. I don't want to know so that I can be known. We cast off every weight and sin that so easily besets us. We're running, 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 running into the arms of Abba. to break agreement. You have purpose. You have oh, purpose. The great creator wants to create on you and with you and co-create with you. Out of worship comes forth art. Out of worship comes forth business. Out of worship comes every everything yeah you're receiving the Lord right now all the dark places must be made light all the darkness must come to light all the healing is from the Lord all he has is ours all that is mine the word says is yours and all that is yours is mine Limitation, Lord, we want transfiguration.
Hey, take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. Amen. 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 Amen and good morning. <laughs> His mercies are new every morning. How could you think that you could wake up today and Jesus would be just as amazing today as he was yesterday? And you're like, how is that possible? I'm always like, how in the world did you do that again, Lord? How did you make another day amazing again? Uh, welcome this morning, and, and again, I salute you. Congratulations on going deep in the Father. Bless you, Henry. Todd, bless you. Now, I'm reminded this morning of a passage that was spoke to me on the 24th of October, and uh, the Lord woke me up with this this morning as a lead-in to the offering. I wanted to share this with you. In Haggai chapter number 2, and many of you may know the context of Haggai 2, but there was a call that was going forth by Haggai, Zechariah, uh, Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, Ezra, there was a calling for the rebuilding of God's house within, their, within Jerusalem, and, and they had come out of exile. And in Haggai 2, they had went in, in Haggai 1, they had went in to lay the foundation of the house of the Lord, and then everybody basically gets discouraged uh, after the house of the Lord's foundation was laid. And they quit building for a period of 16 years. They went back to their own livelihood. And, and you can understand why, because it was a pioneering move. There was about 50,000 Jews that came down out of Babylon into Jerusalem. And the, uh, the temple complex, Solomon's temple, was completely destroyed. There was no education system. There was no police system. There was no, all the infrastructure of the city was completely in ruins. And you can imagine coming into an infrastructure where you, here we are, and everybody's there, and they, they've got babies running around and grandbabies running around, and there's no, like, you can't take them to school, and you don't have any kind of systems in place. There's nothing. And the people of God came together to build the house of the Lord and then get really, like, fixated on, man, we got to get stuff right at home if we can do anything for the Lord. And in, in fact, they got out of order. Now, you're reminded, and I'm reminded of the admonition or the call from the Lord in Matthew chapter 6, 33. says, seek you first, what? The kingdom, the kingdom of God and his what? And all these what? Yeah, I'll take care of everything for you if you take care of my business. Because God's a businessman. Occupy, get into what I'm doing until I come. And so there's a great propensity inside of natural humanity to regress into everyday life circumstances. The Lord's like, no, this will backfire on you, has it not? I mean, I'm among a remnant people that understand the framework of this. You've realized that if I go and put so much attention in my, set my attention on 
da ta 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 it just gets worse almost. The Lord said, set it out to your peripheral and worship me. Israel does this for 16 years. They're raised back up. Uh, these prophets come online and say, listen, quit doing that. You paid attention more to your panel house and your things more than the Lord's work. Now, I could sound kind of strict in things, and people sometimes don't like the command of the Lord. But the Lord really is saying this to us because he's like, I want to take care of you and bless you. Stop putting all your attention on natural things and get your eyes fixed on me. I can do more for you in five seconds than you can do all day trying to labor after something. And he will allow something. It's called affliction. And he said this to me recently, would you like affliction or affection? And I was like, I'll take affection. He's like, eyes on me. And I, eyes on me. But we got to fix that. We got to do eyes on me. Eyes on me. We, have, we dwell in the very presence of the Lord and we become very busy. Listen, in Haggai 2.14, the people of the nation are unclean in my sight, says the Lord. He says, and so is all their effort. Everything they offer to me is unclean. Their worship is corrupted. Now, therefore, reflect carefully on the recent path before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. From that time when one came expecting a heap of 20 measures, there was only 10. It's called inflation. You put in this much energy and you get out half of your output. No one likes that. Anybody agree with that? Yeah, I don't like to put in... Let's say you make $100 an hour. I, I don't know, 25 I don't know what you make an hour or if you're paid by wages or if you're salaried or whatever. But if you put energy into something, you won't output. And the Lord understands that. And he said, you put in 20, you got 10. Then he says, and when one came to the wine vat to draw out 50, there's only 20. Well, it's got worse now. It isn't even half. 50 for 20. Nobody likes that. Nobody in this room, if you're really honest, you will not like that. I don't like that. And he says, I struck the product of your labor with blight, disease, and hell, and yet you brought nothing to me. The context favors this idea that the harvests were so poor that the people took only care of themselves. They left no offering for the Lord. And he says, yet ye turn not to me. Understanding the phrase to refer to the people's repentance rather than the few, their failure to bring in offerings. He was wanting to see a repentant heart to turn back towards him and to set things right with him. And he said, think carefully about this. Haggai says, give some attention to this. Think about what I'm saying to you. I was... On the 24th last month, and of course this occurs in the ninth month, and it's the ninth month of Hebrew calendar. But I looked down and it said, from this 24th day, the day of the work of the Lord, the temple was resumed. Think about it. The seed is still in the storehouse, isn't it? And the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not produced. Nevertheless, from this day, I will bless you. 
The Lord spoke again to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, I am ready to shake the sky and the earth, and I will overthrow the royal thrones and shatter the mighty of the earthly kingdoms. I'm going to overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them, and the horses and their riders will fall as people kill one another. On that day, says the Lord, who rules over all, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, my servant, says the Lord, and I will make you a signet ring. For I have chosen you, says the Lord, who rules over all. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that nevertheless from this day, you bring great blessing on your people. We thank you, Lord. Help us not to forget to put you first. Like, Lord, that we would have dove eyes on you. We would only do what we see you doing. And whatever you're doing, Lord, that we would be about your business. Let the circumstances of the tree of knowledge of good and evil fade out hard left and right, Lord, to the back of the peripheral vision. And let our eyes behold the goodness of who you are. Nothing is impossible with you, Lord. What may be impossible with us is not impossible with you, and we embrace the realm of the impossible. Give us the wisdom, Lord, that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. To the serpent, Lord, said the king upon his throne. You deceived and lied, my child has gone into exile. But I will go, I will make a way home. And I will bleed like the enemy in the dark, in the shadows lie. dead of night. Glory, glory sang the angels in the highest. At last the King has arrived. Upon the sand said the devil, take my hand, and out of your bended knee you will hold everything you see. But the king said no.
has arrived. At last, the king has arrived. Um, a couple of a couple of things I want to share with you this morning, or just as I've put out some words on Facebook Messenger and I sent out some emails. And I uh, last Sunday when I got home, I had ordered this book, and I want to make a plug for it. If you wanted to read a really good work, now I'm in the beginnings of this work. By um, her name is Haley Jacob. This is her uh, doctoral dissertation. And it's pretty readable, but it's, it's going to definitely take some attention if you give attention to it. You might have to uh, get out your Greek lexicon a little bit, and you may have to get out your uh, German translation. But if you're up to a challenge, it's not all written in German, by the way. It's, it's written in English as well. But there's some German in it. And if you really want to engage with something I think is very poignant, especially for this uh, frontier that we're engaged in in this ministry being uh, go after glorification, glorified uh, man. This is a work that I believe God has introduced through Miss Jacob to share with the body of Christ. It's called Conform to the Image of His Son. She's taking Romans chapter 8, verse 29b, and wrote this book on that. And what she's doing with this work is she's describing glory and glorification and breaking down what Paul meant when he was speaking of these words and how that they've been misused or misaligned and they've, they've been all over the place. Uh, she really got into this. Well, N.T. Wright, how many familiar with N.T. Wright? His school and his work, he became... Uh, she sat with him, not fully for her dissertation, but he reviewed her thesis. Well, he said that he had to go back and completely reorient himself to Romans 8 after all the years he's been working in the field because this was such a breakthrough and he believes it to be a correct actual translation and understanding of Romans 8.29b. That you be conformed to the image of his son. And I, I want to suggest it to you as it's inexpensive. I think Amazon is $27, $28. And a lot of people say, hey, Carol, I have a hard time understanding some things that you're saying. I have a hard time understanding some things I say too. But Mrs. Jacob has uh, done a pretty good work here. And I think it's what the Lord is uh, aiming for with us. Now, I'm not endorsing the book or something like that. I, I haven't read it completely myself yet, but I would like to say I believe there's something here from the Lord for us. Also, Kara, she told me one time, she says, Carol, you like to do two sermons on Sunday? And I said, oh yeah. So um, <laughs> what I've decided to do is I'm doing a like a midweek podcast, and I've put those up, and there's one from Last week, uh, during the worship, called The Expanse. And um, I would invite you to listen to it. It's our Phase 10, 53X, The Expanse. Today is our 54th event here. And uh, so that's 53X, and so called The Expanse, out of the experience uh, that I had last week with the word, Welcome to The Expanse. 
Um, I'll also break down a little bit, and I've got some diagrams to help you, and I've sent those out as well. You can't see this, but I've been building some diagrams to help with what's going on in this room and how the Lord is dealing with the what of doing, the who of being, the why of existence to transition us across into I am. And uh, we have a successful worship set. We go from what, who, why, am I, into I am. You see this? The Lord called it a triple entendre. He's like, I want to move the congregation out of what? Your primary sense of your ritual, like point A to point B, we do life this way. I want to move you beyond the moral of being in the who. I want to get you into the why of the structure of cosmology. I want you to move beyond that into me. And so it's, it's very exposing, let's just say it like that. Now, you're here because you're willing to be exposed and you're willing to repent. That's why you're still here. You wouldn't be here, you won't be able to be in this environment if you're not willing to be exposed and to repent. You can't, either that or you have to lock everything out. You can't hang out here with that kind of mentality. And so when the exposure of the why comes, it's to expose our why, our questioning, to transition us across that into I am. And if you've noticed, many times uh, the worship will go up and down and up and down. And then there'll be like this peace that will begin to settle under the room. And sometimes it can feel very uncomfortable. Many times for me it's very uncomfortable. But if you will just stay there and wait on the Lord, your strength will be renewed. In today's case... I want to deal with the ribosomes. Yeah. The Lord wants to renew our strength as we wait on him. A lot of people don't like that uneasiness of waiting. But as the worship goes up and down, up and down, and then all of a sudden it'll flatline. You're beginning to cross into the barrier of I am. Through the barrier, it's called, actually it's technically called Memra Yakera. Remember Yakera. No. <laughs> You cross through the barrier, and he's on the other side in, like Moses, the bush that was not consumed with fire. It's a place of holiness. And I want to say this, because I had no understanding of this. You can cross into that place daily with the Lord. We're doing this corporately together, which is like a miracle. But you can have this daily crossing over that barrier but if your orientation is what, who, and why, it, you have to go through that to come to him with, and you come to him on a blank slate. The slate must be blank. And most people do not like the way that feels. Or because you're bringing to the Lord basically your whole self, but you're not necessarily bringing any of your ideas or your emotions to him, you're just bringing your whole self to him. Um, I think that it was possible with Moses that that bush was, it was always burning in the wilderness. I can't prove that. That's conjecture. That's uh, speculation. 
that I think it's possible even for 40 years that that bush was on fire, but he took it and he looked at all the other bushes and he didn't recognize the one that was not consumed by fire. Listen, everyone, please hear this. The Lord is that present with us right now. But it takes humility to begin to behold him in the midst of where you're at in your daily life. And it is the most uh, amazing experience. And that's why, that's why in Habakkuk it says this, why in Romans it says this, why in Genesis it says this, and the just shall live by because you can't access this place apart from faith because anything that's not faith is sin. And this is the work I have for you to believe on the one whom he has sent. You want to access the Lord. He's right there. He's not far off from you. He's right there. And he comes in the most surprising, dramatic ways. Don't miss God. And so some of the things that you hear me saying is you'll see a sign. You're not looking for a sign, but you see an objective proof of an unseen reality. It leads you to a deeper place of object and even a deeper place of sense. And then you begin to cross in. That's called the science of semiotics, I believe it is. All right. Let's turn together to Genesis chapter 13. I asked the Lord this morning, I said, I don't know what to preach out of this morning. And he said, you know, you just have to trust the Lord. And I've been waiting on the Lord this morning. I'm like, what's your word in this transfiguration AD number four? And Kara comes up and she says, I believe the Lord's given Genesis 13. And I said, oh, thank God. He told my wife where the sermon's at today. Thank you, Kara. She said, I don't know what he's trying to say here, but he told me, he said, I'm telling her what you're going to preach from. So yeah, you know, you have to be instant in season and out of season. <laughs> so I'm going to jump into a text that I've not necessarily reviewed, and we're going to get in this together. Abraham went up from Egypt into the Negev. He took his wife and all his possessions with him as well as Lot. Now Abraham was a very wealthy in livestock, silver, and gold. And he journeyed from place to place from the Negev as far as Bethel. He returned to the place where he had pitched his tent. At the beginning... And I would give special emphasis this morning, the place between Bethel and Ai. This was the place where he had first built the altar. Abram's doing it, he's circling back around to a place he's already been. I believe it's in Genesis 12 when he'll come to Bethel and Ai. And he's circling back again to this place of an altar in his life. And there Abram worshiped the Lord. Now Lot was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land could not support them while they were living side by side. 
because their possessions were so great they were not able to live alongside one another. So there were quarrels between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. Abram said to Lot, let there be no quarreling between me and you. And between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself now from me. If you go to the left, then I'll go to the right. But if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole region of the Jordan. He noticed that all of it was well watered before the Lord obliterated Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord. Listen now, it was like the garden of the Lord. It was like, it was like the land of Egypt. It was like the land of Egypt all the way to Zor. And Lot chose for himself the whole region. He chose for himself the whole region of the Jordan, and he traveled the east. The relatives separated from the other, and Abram settled in the land of Canaan. But Lot settled among the cities of the Jordan plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were extremely wicked. They were rebels against the Lord. And after Lot had departed, the Lord said to Abram, Look, one translation, look up. Look up from the place where you stand to the north, the south, the east, and the west. I will give you all the land. I will give it all to you, all the land that you see, to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone is able to count the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be counted. Get up and walk throughout the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron. And he built an altar there to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Father, for putting me on the spot. Thank you that anything that is done must come from you. And I submit every word to you. I submit this message to you. And I pray, Lord, that it would navigate into our soul. And a revelation would come to us, Lord, that has pervaded or moved out of our understanding. You would make yourself known to us. In the midst of this, in the midst of this message, I ask for your help, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm reminded of... 
this morning of last week because we had dealt with Hobab and we found out that Hobab was Moses's uh, brother-in-law and Moses had said to Hobab hey listen go with us we need a guide you could help guide us throughout the land and we'll all take care of you there Hobab buddy and Hobab said not gonna do it I'm not going with you I kind of like my own folk uh, we come from South Carolina and you're in North Carolina <laughs> we, we have a different way of doing things and uh, I don't necessarily relate to you in the way you do things, uh, Moses, and I'd like to go about my business, be among my, my seed and my people and uh, in my land. I understand that. And yeah, I might could guide you throughout the wilderness, but uh, I don't want to. And it's not very clear. We don't really know that if Hobob went with him or not. But usually if a man says, I'm not going to do it, he's not going to do it. I've found it hard sometimes to persuade others. If, if someone puts their foot down, ah, I don't want to do it. Okay, well, all right. And, and so Moses is left without a guide. Uh, well, it appears that way. God's wanting to get Moses off of that Sinai mountain. We talked about this last week, and I need to hear that sermon. We get out of Galatians 3. Hey, you started, you started in faith. You think you're going to continue by the works of the law? No, 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 no. And I know, we need to hear this every week, don't we? we? We need to hear this message called the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think that you're going to get along the way you've been doing things? Now I'll tell you something about the Lord. He'll keep you pushing you out on the edge all the time if you'll just walk with him. I mean, he, he'll keep you like with no reference point. You're like, God, I need a reference. I, I need a, uh, Brad Ames calls it a point of reference. The Lord will never give you a P.O.R. before you trust him. They come afterwards. And you're sort of leading a, a breadcrumb trail, maybe. You know, because Zion cannot be assessed or accessed through anything by a rigidity about being a set of rules. Why? Because the just shall live by faith. Abraham believed me and it was accounted unto him for what? Righteousness, he moved out, and therefore the law was obeyed. Is the law bad? No. We're not saying that the law is bad. What we're saying is you can't be justified by just outright obeying the law. You must, you must, you must get your ear and your eyes on the Lord. I mean, even in the transfiguration, this is what this is about. Old Pete's like, oh man, we can build a reference point now. I mean, listen to the Father when he thunders down out of the heavens. This is my what? Beloved Son, hear ye him. I've got a reference point, man. I've got a superstructure. No, you're not going to keep this good man down. The Father's like, you're not going to put my boy underneath a boxing man. Uh-uh, your box is too small. Oh, Pete, you might have a revelation, but it's too small I'm infinite, I'm uncreated, I'm, I'm transcendent, and I'm imminent. You can't even manufacture a mindset that I'm thinking in the next moment. Listen, like you have to get this mind in you right now. You can't do it out of your own past. I don't care how excellent it is, I don't care how noble it is, I don't care how amazing you are. You don't have a reference point for what's coming today. 
well, yeah, I do. I know we're going to go out to eat after service and stuff. I wish he'd hurry up because it's 1226. <laughs> I have a reference point. Um, listen to what C.S. Lewis says. Um, C.S. Lewis provides a helpful metaphor for this notion I'm speaking of this morning in response to the complaint that theology is abstract and even arid in comparison with direct religious experience. Let me say that. In response to the complaint that theology is abstract, what do we mean? Like, anybody ever taken course in systematic theology? Yeah, some of you have. It can seem really just like, okay, we got the doctrine, the doctrine, the doctrine. How is that going to help me? Like, you know. It can seem arid to people. They don't, they don't like it. Direct religious experience, like what we're experiencing this morning when the Lord sweeps in. C.S. Lewis would immediately grant that point. Compared to the real experience of places we're seeing, a map is something less real. It's a bit of colored paper, or in our cases, a little bit of colored phone. Your GPS, right? You're not going to get anywhere by looking at a map and not going to see. But it's equally true that you will not be very safe if you go to sea without a map. What's going on last week is I can't, and, this, and pastors overrun and leaders in the church overrun people when they try to lay, uh, like, this is what you need to do next kind of thing on the people. But what we can do, what I can do from this, play, this ministry of the word is I can show you, based in God's word, that there is a, uh, a mechanism for your life as it relates to the Lord. And I began to set that out last week is they set forward the Ark of the Covenant. They set covenant right at the very forefront of everything that they were going to do. Why does this matter? Why does covenant matter? Covenant is, in the way I think about covenant, and I don't know how you think about it. You might think of it in marriage and things like that, and that is important. But when I think about covenant, I think about ultimate fidelity. I also think of complete loyalty, and I think about absolute integrity and authenticity. When I think about covenant, I think that you shouldn't move off the mark a millimeter. You shouldn't let your conscience be smote and do something you should not do. Your loyalty to Jesus is everything. Listen. It's everything in your private life and your public life. It's everything. And if you move off of your integrity before the Lord, you know what you're effectively doing? You are breaking covenant. And, you know, we've talked about this. James chapter 1, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, right? Don't let that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. But let the one who asks for wisdom ask the Lord because he'll not put you to shame. He'll give you wisdom. Listen, hear me out this morning. Before you can set forward anything for the Lord, your integrity, the word of the Lord that's to you, is going to be checked against your circumstances. 
Anybody ever wiggled when God spoke to them? You know what I mean? Yeah, the Lord told me, the Lord revealed this to me, and, but everything around you is telling you that that's impossible and you can't do that. And you begin to like shift a little bit and move off of it, blame somebody else, blame yourself. And the Lord's trying to get down to, hey, let's get down to this thing. Yeah, you said, Lord, but where is the proof, right? And the Lord, what he's wanting to do is cut covenant with us deeply, deeply with your eyes, deeply with your motives, deeply with the way you're living your life every day. Because like last week, you can't even set forward the ark of God to begin to call forward. Rise up, O Lord, where there is a breaking of covenant. This is what we've been getting through. Uh, Tom was saying is there must be repentance. Man, I said I'd do something, I didn't do it. I, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you know, a lot of people don't like that. But I'm going to tell you, the Lord is very particular about these things. He wants what he says to you for you to believe it and you to act on it, irregardless of what your eyes see, your ears hear, or what anybody else thinks about it. <laughs> All right, that's a tip. Yeah, but listen, don't play games with the Lord. If he's put a word over your life, man, hold that thing to the core, to the line. And, and look what happens. Moses is like, set forward the ark of God. Yeah. Put the worshipers out front. Yeah. You begin to worship the Lord. Moses said, rise up, Lord. Ascend, Lord. You know what happens in the place of covenant? Let your enemies be scattered. Let those that hate you, all the haters hate. Get off me. You know, it's Boom. Ascension, rise up. You can't get into, listen, you can't get into ascension if you're not setting forward God's ark. There is no ascension. There is no ascension. People are fooling themselves without integrity before the Lord. Listen, it's the joy of the Father. Some people may, this isn't like um. Man, I got to knuckle down and man up. It's not like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's out of the delight of a father who delights in you to bring a blessing of himself on your life. He's, he is very truthful. And it's agreement with that truth. And out of his love that you come up. And then what happens? A descension happens. Return, O oh Lord. Well... Today in this story that we're looking at in Genesis 13, and I got this sense from the Lord. I'm speaking to someone in here. I, I, maybe I'm speaking to all of you, but, but something of what's being said this morning really matters about something you're going through in your life right now. That you've been in a journey, and we're all on this journey, and I've laid this out for you, from place to dwelling place to resting place with the Lord. And that Abram's in this journey himself. He says in uh, verse 3 that he's going from place to place. And that he's uh, had to circle back around to a place that he's been before. 
Anybody ever had to circle back around? Have you ever had this encounter with the Lord and you thought that something was met there, but you found yourself coming back around to the same place? Has this happened to anybody in here? And you're sort of scratching your head and you thought, I've already crossed this place before. I've already been through this. Why am I here again? Why am I in a place that I've already been in before? He comes to the, the second place here, or this place that he'd been before, and he was at this place called Bethel and Ai. He had been there before in uh, Genesis chapter 12 when he started his journey. He had left Ur of the Chaldees, he had left his family, he had departed into a whole new land. He had got out there and he comes to this place of Bethel and Ai and, and his experience with the Lord, and there's this experience with his dad. His dad's going to go on. He, he wasn't supposed to take his dad with him. He takes his family with him. He goes through this long experience. He has to let go of some relational aspect in his family line. And now he's pressing out again. He's leaving from that place. And he's had been in another place. And he's coming back to the place he had been in, at that altar. I don't know if you know this, but Bethel means uh, house of God, right? Anybody know what AI means? It means place of ruins. Abram is suspended between heaven and earth. He's in a suspension. And he's wanting to break out of his suspension into a new place. And he, he's going to do this here. He's going to actually, he's going to be tr tested by the Lord uh, to break into new territory and new ground that he's never walked into before. The place where he had first built that altar, and you know, you think about, and I don't know, maybe some, some of you, you've had to, I, I physically had to build altars. The Lord had told me, you know, build me an altar. I remember the day I had, he told me, uh, it was in 2013, 2012, 2013, he said, you got to go back to Bethel. And I said, no, Lord, we're in the Hebron days. I don't want to go back to Bethel. I don't want to go back there. He said, no, you got to go back, son. I got something I need to deal with you about there. Uh, this same kind of narrative happens in Jacob's life. Jacob's going to go to Bethel, and then later on, he's going to come to a place called what? Do you know? El Bethel. Because Bethel, while it may mean the house of God, El Bethel means the God of the house of God. It's one thing to understand the imminence of God within the corporate setting of God's house. It's a whole other thing to get to know the God of his own house. The God of Bethel. Jacob's experiencing this. I believe Abram's experienced the same reality. I'm wanting to get you to know me, not just... I'm wanting to get you to know me and my transcendence. Let's call it ascension. I'm wanting you to come up higher out of the house of God into the God of the house of God. God, we don't know you. I'm not just calling for eminence. I'm calling for transcendence. I'm calling you to rise up and ascend. 
Well, there's this limiting factor, and there always is with ascension. There's always a limiting factor, and there's always a losing of something. Well, let's just say this. There's always a losing of something that appears to be something to us. I know this preaches, even if I don't know what I'm doing. I know that there's this place when he brings you back around and he asks you for something. He asks you to give up something in the natural dimension of life that would give you a sense of security and safety. A place where you thought that you were going to get your place of refreshment or maybe it was your economic base. Maybe it was the provision that you needed to further your human development with your family. Maybe it's a position within a company. Maybe it's, maybe it's a home. Maybe it's a but something that God has to have because he's wanting to deconstruct your natural dimension and give you a heavenly one. He's wanting you to take your face off of one thing so that he can give you all things. Hold it! <laughs> I feel the spirit on that. He's wanting to take you from just looking east and say, I want to give you the north, south, east, and west. You've, been, you've had your mind on one thing. I'm wanting to give you all things. Yeah, but that rascal lot, you know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to do. You know that fella. If I open up this thing to him and I make a deal with him. This is just my own little personal thing, but sometimes I have a problem asking people double questions. I apologize for that. I have some friends, and they'll ask two questions. I have a little problem with that because sometimes because I'm like, if I ask them two questions about what's going on, we're going to go into this realm of the unknown, and I don't know where it's going. <laughs> Do you know what I mean when you go up to the person and you can see their intentionality? And you know that it's probably not good, but the Lord says to go lay what you have at their feet. No, no, no. And maybe their intentionality is good, but he says to take what you have and lay it at their feet. It's this feeling of exposure. It's a feeling of, well, where are we going to get our help from? Where's our provision going to come from? You just told me to give up the very thing that I was gaming for that was my sense of security. Listen, if you want to go on with the Lord, this is the path. <laughs> You're going to have to lay down your ideas probably. You're going to have to lay down your uh, calling more. You're going to have to let go of some things to go forward. You, you might have to let go of some natural dimensional things. There's a lot in our life. God looks at Abram. He says, I know that fellow a lot. He's a rascal. All he thinks about is the natural dimension. He says, um, we can't hang out anymore together. Abram says to him, I don't want any quarreling. I don't want to argue with you. I don't want to fuss with you. And listen, because uh, he says we're close relatives. The whole land is before us. Separate yourself from me, and I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left.
when I read that, I, all I hear is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. I, well, if you go left-based, I'll go right-based. If you become more liberal, I'll get more legal. If, if you become more illegal, I'll get more liberal. <laughs> and let's cut a deal. Lot looked up and saw the whole region of the Jordan. He noticed that it was well watered. Man, I can get the hook up, Lot's thinking. I'm going to pick the best for me. I know this has happened to some of you in this room. It, it's a part of your journey. You have to take this journey. I'm going to get the best for me. You, uh, people will do that. I, I want to get the best, whatever works out for me. I'm going to do the best. This looks like the garden of the Lord to me. And notice what the text says it looks like. It's interesting to me. He says it looks like the garden of the Lord, but he also says it looks like Egypt. I like that natural beauty. I want that thing to shine and glisten. It looks good to me. I'm going to choose for myself this whole area toward the east of the Jordan. So the relatives separate from one another, and Abram begins to settle now into the land of Canaan. I don't know why this is this way. I don't really understand it. Sometimes I don't really understand the way or the mechanism of God, but so many times, and, and y'all know this, like if you get into the philosophy of the gospel, he, th let me give you a base philosophy of the gospel. You must lose your life for his sake and the gospel, and you will find life. Nobody likes to lose. I mean, really. No one wants to just live their life losing. But Jesus says, if you don't lose your life for his sake and the gospel, you're not going to find one. So if you go around and you're trying to grasp at natural dimensional things, it's going to bring affliction in your life and it's going to bring problems. When the Lord says to me, I don't, I don't, you want affliction or affection, what he means to me, I know what he means is stop grasping at a natural dimensional life. I'll take care of it for you. I want your eyes set on me. Listen, we play with petty things, folks. We hold on to things in this world that literally, they're going to go up like a puff of smoke here soon. We've got our attention on natural things so much, and the Lord has so much more for us. We're giving attention to this all the time, and the Lord is actually wanting to take and get us into an ascension motif so he can descend and take care of it better than we can take care of it ourselves. And Abram made a really good decision to let someone intrude on his promise. This is my promise. I didn't have to bring your rascal self along with me. I did it, and I wasn't supposed to, and now I have to go through this, right? Man, I, I really want to do a good job of this, but I think for me, and I, I would call this the cross, but that when you give up something so special to yourself, something that really matters that you placed all your hope in, and maybe you don't even realize that you have. And the Lord says, give that to me to give to someone else. 
Listen, folks, that's the best decision that you'll ever make is the one in which God causes you to lose. Because what appears is the very thing that you're losing, listen, listen, is the place of the greatest gain in God's. The Lord never asks you to come up with Him like this and, and set forward the loss of something that He's not going to outdo you on what you lost. Again, maybe it's uh, somebody has offended you. Maybe it's some kind of material thing or possession. I don't know it all up what it is. Maybe someone's really done you wrong quite a bit and the Lord goes to ask you to bless them. And you think, man, no. Now, unforgiveness is there maybe. Bitterness is there. Well, they don't deserve that. I worked hard for that. We all have thought this, right? That's my promise. You know, I'll tell just a real quick story. I, it was a number of years ago, and I've said this before. The Lord wakes me up one morning. He says, this is so funny. He said, I want you to give Kara's car away. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. It's her car. Like, he even recognizes it's hers, but he's telling me to give it away. I was like, well, aren't y'all one flesh? <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I wonder how this is going to go over. That's her car. She had a little purple Honda Accord given to her by her daddy for uh, going to school. And I said, oh, no, man, I'm going to be the offense to the father-in-law. I'm going to be offense to Kara. He's like, no, I want you to do this because I want to do something for you. She, I want to build her house. I want to do something for her, but I only have one way to do it. Because of the way you live, the way I've called you to live, you're going to have to do it my way. You don't have another decision. I said, Kara, and she, she said, okay. And she said, so he said, give it to this other pastor's family. She's like, well, now they're going to have two cars, and we're left with one car. I was like, it puts us right in the seats next to each other for years. <laughs> it's been a covenant transaction. <laughs> it's like, well, just let me go to work, Lord. Just let me go to work. She's looking at everything I think and say. <laughs> and my motives all the time. Give that car away. And I remember I, we did that. And I remember going to the bank and we signed a thing over and we took it to the family. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you a car 10 times the amount of that one. And he does. Uh, three weeks later, he tells me the night before, who will call? And he says, this person will call with your inheritance tomorrow. Your family inheritance. I was like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Tomorrow. Yeah, and you're going to get your inheritance tomorrow. Well, my dad calls me the next day. He says, someone wants to give you a car. He said, now, Carol, please, please, Carol, don't take that car and give it away. And I said, Dad, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the Word says. I'm going to do whatever the Lord says to do. If he says retain it, I'll retain it. The Word says give it away, I'll give it away. I don't know. I was like, is it under some kind of thing where we can't do it and, and uh Four days later, the person who's given the car, the person the Lord had said the night before that Sunday night, they're going to give you a car, called me and said, I'm the person. I said, yeah, he told me you were the person. And we're receiving our whole inheritance. It's a little like Toyota Corolla. <laughs> I was like, our whole inheritance is a Toyota Corolla? Ah! You know, and I said, Lord, I said, is it free and clear? And the person said, free and clear. And I said, well, what? Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, liquidate it. 
give all the money to the other guy, that he, the other car. And uh, I said, and it was 10 times the amount of money. And Kara and I gave it to the cash to that other uh, pastor. Six months later, we're blessed with a piece of land. A really nice piece of land. And my point is, is that you never lose with the Lord that he's not going to outdo you. Listen, uh, Stephen said this before the meeting today. There is a resurrection. If there's not, we are a people utmost miserable. And I, and I want to say this about the Lord. There's a resurrection in the natural. It can't just be ethereal. We don't live in ethereal planes. Yes, he's transcendent. He's a beautiful God. He speaks from the heavens. Yes, but there must be eminence. There's an ascension and a descension. God shared this with me years ago. He says, I want my people. I want you, son. I want my people rightly related to my throne. I want you to come up here so that I can reveal to you what must be hereafter. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. He said this to me. I put it in my Evernote. Sapphire throne and home. And this is, let me say this. I realize this. And I told Kara, I said, I'm going on the line for this Sunday. And I'm going on the line for this all the way. That God was looking for a people that would be rightly related to him as father. And that out of a relationship with him as father. And that in this place of El Bethel, this place of being caught up with him. That he would literally make a transaction out of the ascended life with him, into dissension, into the everyday life of where we're living right now. And that with the Father, there is always a resurrection and an ascension, not just death and burial. He wants to be rightly related to us. He wants to relate to us by way of inheritance. He wants to touch your natural life, but he's asking usually... He will always ask you to give up that, usually in the natural dimension that you have placed your most entire hope into. But this is our security for the future. This is the only way we're going to make it. Now we're left with nothing, really. No, you have him. And he's a good father. And he's a father that will meet you in this natural life. Abram needed, he needed to know this. He had to pass this test. He had to let go of what he had held as his own personal promise to a man who was going to misuse that promise for his own benefit. And it was out of that that God would shape that man to bring him into Hebron. Hey, he says, listen, I believe the Lord, he said, after Lot had departed, that season was over. He says, the Lord said to Abram, look up. Reminds me of the passage, look up, your redemption, what? Oh, man, you get a hold of this, man. You get a hold of this and you don't hold back and uh, try to meander some kind of thing for yourself. And you really, really, really go out on the line. You really, really like lose everything for him, he is going to bring a resurrection. 
I'm convinced that resurrection is not just a doctrine. It's not just a mental ascent to something. Resurrection is a reality. Resurrection is for you now. I know we do just like Abraham. We run the numbers. I was thinking about this this week. Is like we run, we're doing figuring and looking at a figure. And when we push out in this way, it makes us feel disfigured. You feel sort of, you know, awkward. When you trust God, it's kind of like uh, that. It sort of really makes you feel disfigured. And no one likes that feeling. You feel sort of out of your orbit. You don't know what you're going to do next. You, you don't know how you're going to make it. You can't think about it. You don't know what to do. And we spend a lot of time looking at a figure, outward appearance, or figuring, trying to get our money and everything to line up a certain way. And the Lord's like, no, lose. <laughs> and come into the place of disfigurement so that I can re I can be your house. I can clothe you. I can be all for you. I wanted to do this for you. I always wanted to do everything for you. Jesus says, my father's always working. I wanted to take care of you. The gospel is like this. I, the Lord wants to live his life through you and take care of everything for you. He says, let go of the control and the manipulation. Let go of it and come into a realm. He'll always ask you to give up what you put your trust in the most. Will he give it back? I don't know sometimes. You know, Watchman Nee said, when you come to the altar, you don't know if he'll consume the whole thing on the altar or you'll retain something after the altar. But the altar must always precede the tent. God's altar must always come first. It's a place where you make a serious decision before the Lord. You're not playing games with God anymore. And you said, I come into your altar. You know, I'm tired of being suspended between heaven and earth. I want heaven to come to earth. And God will test the human soul and see what you grit that you have in you. What kind of grit and character do you really have? Look, the promise of Scripture is to you and me today that Lot's looking in one direction, but God is wanting to move your life into every direction. Hey, look up! Look up, not just to the east, but look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. For the land that you're on, I will give to you and your descendants. I'm going to bring my people into an inheritance. Resist the loss. Sometimes you gotta go to that altar and you gotta let everything burn. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes that altar becomes a place where you retain something off the altar. You still get to eat from it. It becomes a place of resource for you. But not every time. And we must know what do you want to do? And what you do is you offer it all up to the Lord. And you say, whatever you decide, Lord, it's your decision.
But as Watchman Nee said, and the way they pioneered the gospel into, excuse me, it wasn't Watchman Nee. It wasn't C.T. Studd. It was the guy, China Inland Mission. Hudson Taylor, I, I believe it was him on the altar in the tent. Maybe it was Watchman Nee. It's Hudson Taylor, Watchman Nee. The way they pioneered the gospel was through this mechanism, I'm telling you now. The way they broke the whole ground was through. We set forth God's altar and we placed the Ark of the Covenant there and we place you first, Lord, in front of everything, in front of my whole ideas and before my houses and my lands and before everything, just like Haggai did. And then all of a sudden it raises up glory and fire burns on the altar and fire burns in you and fire burns in me. And everything that can be burned will be burned. And that which remains now, gold and silver and precious stones. And the Lord's building an architecture out of the heavens. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Will there be a retention of things here on the earth? Yes. Because it, just as God is one of ascension, He's also one of descension. This is coming more near to us and what we realize there's coming a moment when man is going to finally put on a tabernacle. When God's Shekinah light is going to so come into man, he's going to light up the Mishkan of the tabernacle of man. A full integrated human being that puts on a glorified body. This thing goes beyond anything that we can ask or think or conceive. Oh, welcome to the great, the great frontier, the final frontier, the path of God inside of the human body. I was crying this week. I was crying. I was telling Kara, I was just sitting in my car weeping. I was like, hold it. Oh, what is God pioneering inside of man? I'm like, Lord, if you give just touchstones in the natural, I sure would thank you, but I know you don't have to. If I could just have a point of reference that just showed me that I knew that you were, oh my Lord, I can't take this. Oh man, the light is getting so bright sometimes, the glory of God radiating inside you. It's like, oh, I want to put off this body. Oh, I want to put on the Lord. Oh, death, where is your sting? Thy has been swallowed up in victory. Thy. Oh, light, come on us. Now I'll lose again. Now whatever it takes, Lord, to know you and to be known by you. Whatever it takes, we want you, Lord. See, yeah, I'll give you touch tone, says the Lord. But they pale in comparison to the greater glory that's going to be revealed in the end of this age. Oh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You see it? Do you see it? An altar of Hebron, ultimately he'll get into an altar of Jerusalem in the next chapter. God's going to shake the world through a man of faith. Let's all stand together. Yeah. Oh, ascend, O oh Lord. Rise up, O oh Lord. Let your enemies be scattered. Rise up, O oh Lord. Let everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are. Let Christ come in us. Let our whole entire being be found in you.
Oh, it's like a brightness, like a brightness that we cannot even comprehend. A light of glory like we have never even seen. A light that's brighter than the sun and the moon. The very light of the very Son of God, the very Son of Man. To the altar of the Lord. shine like the firmament. You'll shine like the stars. We don't want some kind of temporal thing. Keeping from that which is eternal. Let eternity rise in your heart. Let eternity rise up. Not so focused on the external, but the eternal. So the eternal may bring into temporary space and time in us and move out of us, out of us, light breaking out of us, light. Yeah, city set on a hill that cannot be hid. This is our inheritance to be known by the Father.
going on. He really likes it. Snapping out of Bethlehem AI, the place of being suspended between the house of God and the place of ruins, being marked by heaven. Come to a new altar this morning. Come to the altar of the Lord and we'll take communion together. just telling Carol, you know, in Genesis 13, 11, it says, uh, Lot chose for himself. And so when I read that, it really stuck out to me. So I started looking up, trying to find places in the scripture where it's choosing for themselves. And I found Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, and it's the difference of God choosing us, which was Abraham. Lot chose for himself, and then Abraham wasn't given a choice. He was cho- it was chosen for him, but in what was chosen for him was given him everything. Anyway, the point that's being made here is that what is chosen for ourselves will always be limiting. It will always bring limitation. It will always be a limitation. But when you let the Lord choose for you, it will be beyond your imagination. You and I cannot even conceive what He's chosen. 
It's like it'll always be better than any choice you could have ever made. See, it takes trust to transfer your trust over to Him because it'll always look like you're losing what you're choosing. But if you'll let Him choose, He would freely give us all things. He says this to the older brother, Luke chapter 16, I believe it is, after 15. Don't you know that everything I have is yours? Everything, Lord. John chapter 17, Jesus says, listen, he says this to the Lord. This is the revelation that goes in John 17. God glorified me so that I might glorify you. But later on, Jesus says this. He says, everything that I have is yours. Glory is commensurate to that mathematical model. Everything I have is yours, Lord. But listen to what he says. But everything you have is mine. Oh, man. Think of it. You want the Lord to ask you to lose everything. You know why? Because everything he has is yours. And he would give you the Holy Spirit. He would give us all things in Christ. He wouldn't hold back. He's not stingy. He's a good father. Well, he's a father that is so good. He would give you way beyond what you could write, ask, or even think. He'd give you a life that has purpose and meaning. Every day is filled with purpose and meaning when it's found in him. Paul's like, he's going after this place. I remember the Lord said this years ago to me, and, he, and I said, that's offensive, Lord. And he says, man works to finish a place, but I place finished man in a finished word. I mean, how many of us have had to labor with our hands or our pens, our hammers or our pens? We've had to labor for something. And the Lord the whole time is just like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? I want to place you in a finished word. No, it's inconceivable, God. You want affliction or affection? But I can only see what I can do, Lord. But it's time to move out of what I can do. And Christ in me, the hope of glory. Switch my paradigm, Lord. But I don't know how this could happen. I don't have any way to do it. Let me do it for you. My Father's always working. do is live by faith out of a love relationship with the Father and let everything come into alignment with that. For yes, faith without works is dead. But it's the faith that moves you to get engaged with the work He's called you to do. Not to live the other way anymore. No more. Let Him choose. Let him blow all your paradigms and let him blow all your theology and let him blow all your sociology and all your humanities and let him blow all your applied sciences and let him all blow every circuit. Let him have you. 
Let him choose. Because it'll always be better. the bread and he broke it he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Behold, I make all things new. Everything new. I disagree with the old. Out with the old and in with the new. Listen, out with the old and in with the new. Hear the word of the Lord. Out with the old and in with the new. Behold, I make all things new. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.